the Listen Podcast. The List 10 Podcast. The Listen Podcast. Dan Wonderly, all my listeners out there, good to have you. Uh, today we have uh, back with us today because I couldn't help but do a bonus. This is not part of the top 10 movies. I just had to do a top 10 reasons why I love the show Andor. We kicked off this podcast with Rogue One, so it seemed only fitting to do a whole episode about Andor. And of course, we got to bring back our Star Wars expert and friend, Brian Westensko. How you doing, Brian? Daniel Wonderly, I'm doing just fine, just fine. Oh, man. And I'll tell you what, as a uh, Star Wars fan, I can't say I've never been better, but like, holy cow, life is so much better now at the end of November than it was, say, two months ago. Because like, wow, did we just get the thing that I've been waiting for for I mean, 1983, you know, like it's been that anyway. So yeah, 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 yeah. Very happy. Very excited. Good stuff. Fantastic. Yes. I would say the best thing since the original three, even beating Rogue One. And I loved Rogue One, but it goes so much deeper. And there are so many things that I loved about this show that I honestly can't contain my excitement. I, I, was, I was just dying. I, I kept wanting to call you even before we did this podcast and just talk to you about the show. And I'm like, yeah. I'm holding off my texts. I'm holding off everything. I'm like, save it for the pod. That's yeah. right. So, oh, I mean, listen, I, I imagine anyone listening to this is probably familiar with Andor at least, or maybe they're just fans of whatever and they've heard some good stuff. Because honestly, of all the ones, it seems like it's sort of, maybe lagging behind and maybe that's a good thing because it's kind of a slow burn and it's something that would you know benefit from word of mouth by the way i have a dog right here if you hear breathing that's him he's just being nice anyway yeah so. yeah well i mean the flow here but he, he does that so the point is is that i don't know that it's very helpful for someone sitting here and like just gushing and just giving praise after praise after praise because it like loses meaning after a second but like literally it's it's the best. It's so good. It's everything I want it to be. And it's so good that it elevates the other things that directly come from it, right? It makes Rogue One better. It makes the original trilogy better. Like it's so just gives us the substance and the the tone and the detail and the intelligence and the, it just everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for like, this justifies the whole Disney, everything. It justifies all of it. It's worth it. hundred percent. Now, but I, I don't want to take away from such good shows as The Mandalorian, which I found very fun. Yep. But here's, here's the difference. Um, well, so before, this actually leads into my number 10. So okay. um, I'll just kind of lay out the format. This is the, the format we um, talked about ahead. Uh, we're each going to list 10 things that we loved about the show. That And... Um, you know, some of ours will overlap. If you say something, I'll be like, oh, yeah, actually, I have that at number whatever. And so we probably won't end up actually saying 20 different things. But um, but uh, that's how we're going to do it. And I was going to defer to you as the guest. But 
what you said led right into my number 10. So I'm just jumping in right with Jump. number 10. Great thing about this show, prestige TV, uh, exactly what we we're talking about. Mandalorian was great for Star Wars fans. Now, a non-Star Wars fan could jump in and enjoy Mandalorian. And, and they'll like, you know, my kids love Mandalorian. It's, a, you know, Baby Yoda is adorable. They're so much fun. It's like a Western. It's a good show. But it's not, no one would call it prestige TV. You're not putting it in with um, the Breaking Bads and the, <laughs> and the uh, I don't know, uh, Sopranos of the world. But I would with Andor. I 100%. I would put this with all the great TV shows. It doesn't need to be Star Wars. In fact, the fact that it's Star Wars, I think, almost hurts it from other people watching the show because they're like, oh, I'm not interested in sci-fi. And it's like, no, no, you got to understand, this is just a really good, well-written show that is just, it's prestige TV. 100% agree. Um, it, it, it is right there with the, the layers and the complexity. And the, like, it's a place where the, the closer you look, the more there is to see, right? And the, and the more you try to see there, there's all these little details and there's sort of the um, uh, little storylines that keep going on there. Uh, I had, hold on. So I, I had one of mine, and this kind of goes with this a little bit, but we'll go on to this. We'll, we'll say this is my 10, which, which supports it and complements yours. That, that it, it, it it's, seems like it was made for the streaming world where YouTube videos will exist, which is to say it's not afraid to have to spell out certain details or spell out larger meaning of events because they know that some guy on YouTube is going to sit there and spell it out for, for everybody else. And then I'm someone who watches it and then watches that YouTube video and then sees, Oh, I missed that completely. But like, it, it just showed it in a very subtle way. I'll give you an example, right? So there's a couple of scenes there in the middle of the series where Cyril Karn is living with his mother. It's yeah, so yeah. good. Drinking, it's drinking so blue good. milk. Oh my cereal. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, so the names, Cyril's the guy that, the uptight yeah. guy that's... Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the old cop who gets work. demoted and then is yeah. in love with the, the Nazi lady. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. exactly, perfect. It's so good. So there's a moment there where he's in, it has like two scenes of it where he's like in his bedroom, in his mom's house, in the depths of Coruscant, and he's just sitting there looking at a window and like the sun comes out and he's like desperately looking at the light, right? Mm -hmm. And it never occurred to me, they have two scenes like that. I think they're like both opening a, a, an episode, like two in a row. And like, what it is, is that he lives on the lower levels of Coruscant, which is a huge planet, the, nothing but a whole city, the entire planet is, with layers and layers, it goes like miles deep. And, and because he's low in station, he's low in the world. And that's literally the only time the sun will hit his room the entire time. It's the only time he sees sunlight. So he's sitting there waiting for it, right? And then later in the same episode, he confronts his lady love, uh, Dedra, right? Now, here's what a lame show would do. A lame show would say, would have, like, okay, let's, let's pretend this is like post-peak uh, Game of Thrones, right? right? When it got bad. Like, it was <laughs> never okay. great, but it never, it got bad. So there's a moment there. Drive-by shooting Cyril, on Game of Thrones, it's fine. <laughs> fine. So Cyril, Cyril will walk up to Dedra and says, you know, 
For seven minutes every morning, the sun hits my window and it's the moment I wait for all day long and the bright of hope and sunlight and warmth comes into my life and I wait and it's brief and it's gone. You are the light in my life. It would be so spelled out and so obvious, you know, whereas this show with the prestige thing, like you talked about with Breaking Bad, like you talked with Better Call Saul, I would add The Wire, I would add uh, Mad oh, Men. Sure. And I really love the first three seasons of Fargo. Those are the ones that are in the bite wheelhouse. And those were shows that were first made. First two well, seasons of Fargo. First two. You, you didn't go for three? Yeah, no. eh, three was a little, I, I get it. <laughs> okay, go on. Two were very much the best, no question. Anyway. Um, and it's just it just lets you show it. For Here's another one. And again, I didn't notice this, this thing to begin with. But in, I think, the second to last episode, we got Luthen, right? King, rebel leader, you know, guy. He's stuck in the tractor beam with the Imperial ship. Right. And what he does is that he uh, he, he's fiddling around. He's got his little countermeasures ready to go. But before he launches them, he 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 puts the ship into motion and they go, wait, is he trying to escape? He can't escape. Well, and they go from two to five on the tractor beam. Right. So they overreact. And then he releases the little shrapnel. And it's the tractor beam itself that sucks it in that destroys it. And again, If it was a lame show, Luthen would say to no one in particular, and that is how we win. We get them to overreact. We get them to do that, and then they destroy themselves, right? But instead, they just show it, and they let it get figured out, and then some guy on YouTube says it, and then I see that video, and then I think I'm smart the next time I watch it, because I get it. And like, <laughs> yeah. Give me that restraint. Give me that little, you know, you know, give me the assumption that I'm smart enough and interested enough to find this stuff. And then it's totally rewarding for people who care. And by the way, if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. You just miss something and you still enjoy the show. So Right, yeah. like that scene, I, did, I didn't realize that that's why the shrapnel hit that thing harder because of the high up tractor beam until you just told me just now. Yeah, and, and I didn't I still, get it until someone else said it. Yeah, That was still one of my... I, I, I had that almost as my top 10 things, but um, just his ship in general, when it shoots out the, the swords on the side, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty. But the point is, is like, uh, yeah, I, I love that scene. And the, yeah, there's deeper stuff. And um, in, pre- in preparing for this podcast, I, I quickly tried to go through and just try and jump around the, the series to rewatch stuff. And it was just as good the second time. If, if sometimes even better because- oh. Because I just, I wasn't, the first few episodes I didn't like as the, the first half I didn't like as much as the second half. But that's because I kind of was just kind of, I didn't, I didn't realize what I was watching yet, I think. Yeah. And, and when I go back now and just watch some of those clips, I'm like, I, I like them so much more. Because I'm like, no, no, now I know these characters and I realize where this thing's going. And wow, what a good job they did building that. I remember kind of sort of not being too pumped with it for the first two episodes, the first time I watched it when they were first released. And most of it is because I wasn't, I wasn't really dedicating the amount of attention that the show deserves. And so I'm flipping around on my phone, I'm watching it. I don't know any of these people. I know Cassie and Andor and that's it. And then I think Bon Mothma is probably in that maybe, but I only know her from, you know, one scene and two scenes, I guess with Rogue One. Right. So I know the name, but I don't know who she is. I mean, I kind of do whatever, but like all of these other people, I don't, I don't know anything about them. And I'm sort of flipping through my phone and there's that whole uh, arc in the first three episodes of Cassian's backstory when he's a little kid on Canary. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, honestly, the first few 
first time I watched it, I missed that that was a flashback. So I thought that was happening on the same planet as Ferrix at the same time. And I thought that those were, anyway, point is, is that it's very clearly not, it clearly rather is a flashback. And I just missed it because I'm not really watching the show. Yeah, and then yeah, after yeah. that, I like, once I watched the finale of the, the, the third episode, we kind of brought it all together. I'm like, I missed good stuff here. And I went back, rewatched those three. And I've watched every episode probably twice, at least while waiting for the next one. And then after the finale, I went back and watched those original three again. And like, I know everybody. Oh, there's Bix. There's the guy that did praise Andor in the end, right? I was the guy that owed him money. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't make that connection. There's the guy that owns the junk shop. And there's the guy that takes the phone calls. And there's Brasso. And there's all the people. I know all my, these are my friends. I know them all. And it's so much better because they built a world. And when you're new to a world, it's hard to like know it and get used to it. So like you have to have that little entry time to really kind of be able to, to appreciate all the stuff that's there. Yeah. So true. So true. All right. Well, uh, go ahead and um, give us nine. Give us nine. What's your nine? All right. My next one. So again, it talks on what we've already been said a little bit, but I'm just going to illustrate it with one character, okay. the time grappler. Yeah. That is the official name of the dude who bangs on the anvil in the bell tower with those hammers, uh, right? Yeah, I didn't know that was his name, but that I, guy rocks. I That's according to Wikipedia. So I did a little <laughs> research before we did this. So I love that guy. I love the guy that he goes up there and like he's alone, right? He's got the big earmuffs on. He's got it's, they're hammers. They're not mallets. They're not whatever. It's not a it's not a bell. It's an anvil. And like all those details matter. And he's doing like this Tai Chi, like a Maori Haka thing, you know, where he's doing the arm movements and you're, and he's banging it out yeah. there. And it just shows the beginning as like, we're gonna do the clock tower, shifts on, shifts off, end of day, whatever. But then like in the finale, again, it's now I'm banging out the rhythm of the revolution. And like, I'm just driving everybody to, to fight back and I'm throwing stormtroopers off the bell tower. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. And it's all that, again, that world building, man. Like Ferrix is a real place. Like all the, all the place that they, you know, all the clothes they wear, every, every, every great thing about it, all the detail. It's so much more well-developed than just about any other. I can't think of another like fantasy sci-fi place that's so very specific um, and, and so, uh, it just just feels so lived in. Feels really I mean, familiar, even though it's totally new. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, like I well, hearkening back to when we were talking about Rogue One, it was a hundred percent one of our favorite things about Rogue One was that it felt real. It just feels real. It feels like they went to Ferrix and filmed this, <laughs> and they're yeah, like, let's get, let's get the but natives even of more than that, even just in addition to Ferrix. Like again, going back to Canaria, I thought it's amazing that they have an entire storyline of little kids who live on a planet who wear adult-sized shoes because the adults are dead and these are the shoes they have and no one knows. I don't know what happened to the adults. They never talk about it. Mm -hmm. And the kids speak in a language and there's no subtitles. Like, how much do you trust your audience to like carry on and be interested in that? And it's fascinating to watch it. And then you go to, you know, then you go to Aldani and you, you know, you got the little, uh, kind of, I don't know, Norwegian Incas or whatever they got there with the local crew, you know, and, right. All those things and then the world building of the prison set and all of that stuff like it's so perfectly unique even though it's obviously trading on lots of other sci-fi stuff but doing it so well 
and again, it, it, it just, it's totally convincing. It's totally immersing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was listening to the director, um, interesting stuff about like Aldani, he was talking about, uh, one of the things they were going to have the festival at Aldani, which is tons and tons of people, but then he had COVID come in mm. and he couldn't have a lot of people. And then he actually shifted. And this is, this is why I trust this guy. Cause he's like, what if it's one of these things where it's just people stop going and doing that religious, religious pilgrimage, yeah. especially since, you know, the empire's taken, I mean, it's like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just dwindling. And he's like, we'll make it. The, so empire, the empire will fund the pubs to have extra wine. So they don't have to worry about making the trek. Yeah, exactly. And just a whole, like so much thought goes into that. And he just, um, uh, I ain't so great. He talked about, and he took, um, yeah, I just, uh, great, great job on that. Great job on that. Um, yes. So I, I'll go with um, my number nine. Uh, one of the things I love, I like. So people call it fan servicey. I like tie-ins. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love that the show doesn't have, you don't, you don't need to really know much about anything. Yeah. To enjoy this show. But I do like the occasional tie-ins. I like when I saw Melshi and, yep. and in from in the prison right off yep. the bat. And I looked at him and I'm like, dude, that's the guy from Rogue One. And my kids are like, who's that? And I'm like, seriously, he's the dude from Rogue that's One. That's the guy. And yeah. I pause it and then I go pull up Rogue One and I'm like trying to show the battle and, and mm-hmm. scare it. And I'm like pausing it and I can't pause it quick enough. I, I, I did not catch that. I had to be told, but yeah, no, exactly. And, and I just, I just like that. I'm like, oh good. Also, I know this guy's living because he's got to make it to the movie. Yep. So that's kind of a nice... But um, just 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 little little tie-ins to to the to the big picture. The the another fun one flying over um, Aldani when it's just up in the air and stuff. It's just like that 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 good Star Wars feel. Oh, totally. Star Wars fans, it's still nice to have that. Exactly. And it, it, another good one is is uh, the head of the I was it ISB. I want to say IBS, but that means something else. Yeah, no, uh, it's ISB, yes. Yeah, okay. Is Wolf Yularen, which again, I didn't know this until YouTube told me, but like the head guy, he was only in a few episodes, but he's like the head boss, right? With yeah, the yeah. mustache. Yeah, dude, he's in episode four, the character. He's around the table when Tarkin is talking about how they've, uh, uh, you know, it's the same character, obviously a different actor. But like, you know, they're putting those little things in there with it. Uh, that, well, that's cool. I actually yeah. was like, he kind of looks like Grand Marth Tarkin. I was hoping yeah. he was Tarkin, and then they no, no, finally no. said yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah. And no, like, so again, these are the these are what uh, the the other people that know more than I do about Star Wars. Uh, tell oh, right, them. exactly. I'm so happy that it's there. But here's the other thing on that. Again, it kind of comes back to that restraint of you know I, I made a list. These are the pre-existing characters that have been in other movies that are in this, right? So you got Cassie Nandor, obviously only in Rogue One. Mon Mothma, huge person in the in the, in the the storyline and all that. You got Saw Gerrera, right? Also oh, in Rogue yeah. One, but I think he's in the cartoons and stuff. And I don't really watch the cartoons, but I know like he's, he's you know, same thing. Uh-huh. Melchi, right? So he's there. Wolf Yularen, and then Tubes, I guess that one dude in probably other Saw Gerrera like cronies. Yeah, yeah. Or, okay, or, so that's that guy's name with the Yeah, 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 guys. right? But that's it. Like, there's no others in there. They could have put in a million other things. Even from Rogue One, they could have done that. There's that moment where you think, oh, here's the there's the here's Imperial Guard. This yeah. is where you're going to meet K. Nope, that's not a K2SO. That's not the one. <laughs> no, that, that was not. You know? Definitely. And then 
you know, there's some, you know, Luthen has a, 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 a kyber crystal he gives the, the andor Ooh, luthan's a jedi he's a one of the jedi in the hiding and he's got all this artifacts in his store no he's not don't do that you know you can just hold back and just do something else that hasn't been done a million times right mm -hmm. uh so so i i love that they had exactly enough and then there's other details here's another detail i just point i thought of Again, so there's all, is it Oribesh? I think Oribesh is the name of the language that the, that like it's writes in, right? So whenever you see text and it's that little squiggly Star Wars writing that's called Oribesh. These okay. are things, again, other nerds, bigger nerds than you or I <laughs> yeah, yeah. tell us these things, right? But when you go to, uh, 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 sorry, Ferex, and they have like the little names written in the stones, yeah, that's not Orbesh. That's Ferex. That's their own language. That's another one. You know what I mean? So anyway, little little details. Really cool. Anyway. Ferex, again, for everyone, is the place where uh, Andor's from. And we have... It, indeed. Yep. Sorry, guys. Getting well, what, well, I mean, I, I just throw it out. I, I always listen to things, and I'm always like, which one... What's the name? Yeah, I know. I know the guy. I'm going to say the names, but I don't know all the people. Give me the face. Give me the whatever. And the same thing with planets. The heist is in Aldani. Aldani. And then the... Uh, and then the, the prison, we'll just say prison. I can't remember the name. I, I don't know what the prison's called either. It's just prison, prison. And then Coruscant, and then... Uh... Narkina, I think, is the prison. Whatever. Oh, there you go. Anyway. Yes. Okay. Good stuff. All right, what's your what's your eight? So my eight, I I just said restraint. That was the one that I just talked oh, perfect. about. Perfect. Lots of those details. So we're overlapping really well here. Do you want should I go for another one? Uh, well, I'll do eight then. Yep, you go eight. Um, I I like a good heist. I thought it was great to have a heist. I I they they threw in everything that I always want in a heist. They they uh you know I'm not everyone makes it. That you can't have a good heist without some casualties in there. Otherwise, it's like we, we didn't have anything on the line. Um, I, I I like the um, when he comes in, he's just like, "Wait, you think you can fly out with that?" And then and he totally uh, starts showing his worth right away and uh, mm -hmm. just jumping in and and just um just them planning it out, the model that the kid builds. I love that. It's not to scale. It's not to scale. It's not Sorry. To scale. <laughs> What it needs to be three times that size. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Nemec. I love Nemec. Nemec is awesome. Yes. Nemec I made. definitely love Nemec. I like. I like a good heist. I like. I like a three episode arc towards a heist. Now, what a yeah. good job of just planning it out. You know, throw a Tie Fighter flying over their heads as they're like camping out and stuff like that. Just, just throw in. So, you know, build it up so that when they pull off the heist you you feel that it was earned and i think they did earn it they they earned that heist they didn't yeah nothing it was it was it was hard work and they pulled it off it wasn't I, um and i think i think i think the tension on a heist especially in like this context can't be will it work because you got to think it's going to work right? right so like you know so so make the tension who's going to make it out because we don't know any of these people outside of Cassian, every one person can die and we kind of and it's so great the way they get we all get to kind of know everybody just in an episode or two uh obviously we got nemic we got the, the 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 former stormtrooper we got the guy on the inside we've got uh the the real quick nemic nemic is the yeah. kid who writes yeah. all the stuff that like he's got his manifesto 
he's got his manifesto for freedom and yeah and how how the empire is just what they're doing is wrong and he's he, you know he's a true believer as they yeah say. yeah he's he's a warrior poet yes but so. more poet than warrior and he's like kind of like out of his element as far as the actual heist goes but he's just a true believer and then you got the uh you know the the shady dirtbag that uh you know tries to kill everybody you know you gotta have someone betray everybody right it has to happen so uh and who does a great speech about his brother yeah and that's why he wants to get back the empire and you totally believe it and then later he's like nah i made that whole thing that's a lie but like seriously what does it say um the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Like that's just a perfect phrase. That so applies to lots of things. And I don't know. That sounds like it's a phrase that's hundreds of years old. Pretty sure they wrote it for the show. Yes. And I. Yep. Sorry. No, that's it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that as well. Uh, not specifically the heist, but like I love the narrative structure of the twelve episodes with like four arcs, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So the first three. Uh, came out uh, right all at once, and it's sort of that you know the 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 I don't know the 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 rep not the revolution but like you know the sort of the resistance on Ferrix and like how things are going right there and you know we've got we've got <laughs> I love the blue mall cop corpo guards just screwing everything up just going in wrong and it's all terrible and you just messed it all up. And it's, you know, Andor is obviously going to kind of get introduced to the larger world. He's going to have the call to adventure and he's going to decline it, say, no, I'm not doing it. How, what if we pay you? All right, I'll do it now, right? And he's got to learn. He's got to have this little thing. Then we have that three-episode arc on Aldani with the heist. Whole new place. We meet 10 more characters. We get to know all of them. And when they die, we care. Or when they do horrible things, we care. Um, and then we have prison. That's like three or four episodes. And again, holy cow, how many people do we meet there that we know? Like, there's the old guy, right? Brooks. It's kind of Brooks from Shawshank. And what yeah, do you totally. Don't kill the old man. Come on. Hey, hey, no, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. No, he's not. He's Brooks, not, Brooks you know. was here. They. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, and, and then the final, you know, the finale thing. And so, like, what a great way to tell that story and just keep me interested it's if I had a complaint about the show, it was that it was hard to watch week to week to week. And, you know, now that it's all out, it doesn't matter. It would have been nice, honestly, if they would have gone three episodes at a time and just knocked the whole thing out in like four right, weeks. But, ah, that's all right. That's me. I'm nitpicking. But anyway. Right, right. No, I hear you. I mean, it was it was hard. And sometimes I, I actually watch those uh, recaps at the beginning, even yeah. though I had just seen it like seen it the week before. I'm still. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually on a couple of them I'd wait because I like to watch a couple together. So the final one I watched, I waited to watch the final two together. I um because I, yeah. I kind of wanted them to. Good move because the second to last episode was it was it was just set up and then kind of short. I remember thinking, oh, that final's going to be good next week because you know <laughs> it felt like it was twenty minutes long. You know, and yes, there. yes, you got to set it up, man. You got to set it up. That's right. Um. All right. Uh, well, I actually, we were just talking about, I'll actually do seven since we were just talking about the, I put seven as the Optimus kid, uh, which is Karis um, or Kendrick. What, what's his name again? The Optimus kid, the guy who wrote the manifesto. Nemec. Nemec. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I had a K in there, but he was, he's number seven more, mainly because of his manifesto. Yeah. And I think they do a great job in the last episode of, 
of Cassian reading that and the voiceover mm -hmm. as it's going to make you uh, again, and it'll later tie into one of my top favorite things about the show, but just uh, just setting up this this hope of why why they should be doing what they're doing. Yeah, why it matters. How do you defeat an you know totalitarianism in this sense, right? Like, like how do how do how can an individual spirit defeat you know a tyranny? And like like it's 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 very difficult to think about, and uh, and it's again obviously it does a whole lot to show that uh, the the development of Cassian as a as a character from episode one to episode twelve, because obviously that's him. And again, thank you YouTube people. Fun little detail. When you see Cassian Andor in Rogue One, he's got that big kind of hooded jacket with the big furry thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. I don't know when he wears it. Strapped to the outside of it is Nemec's manifesto. Oh, right? really? Yeah. Oh. So, like, yeah. I, I, if, if they did that on purpose or they did it on accident, like, like, like they know what they're doing, man. This is very, very well-crafted, thoughtfully put together. So, yeah. anyway. Well, they know what they're doing. All right. So, buddy, so are, are we on your seven? I don't know what number I'm on, but I'm going to overlap again. Let's see here. This is uh, this is number six for me. Okay. Anyway, and it's it's similar, and I it's I just put really really good speeches. <laughs> yes. Right. So we've got we got Nemec's little you know speech. He had several like really interesting comments about you know about the nature of uh, oh shoot what was it he was talking about uh, mercenaries in a rebellion or a re revolution and whatever the, it, it's a tool that can be used that the empire has no anyway whatever he makes all these points but so the last episode marva awesome speech by ghost marva fantastic yeah. luthan has his what does it cost me what does it cost me speech yeah. right to talk uh, to i love how that guy's named lonnie that's just a yeah. funny name for me, right? well, I, oh i got the chills luthan's speech is my number two actually it's yeah. the second favorite thing about the show I love so, so, that so, Luthan speech. Oh, perfect. It was so perfect because it just says it. And then Cassian has uh, a couple of speeches. And then Kino, right? So Andy Serkis, great speech. And like, like, it's just, here's the moment. Here's the emotional toll. We have to risk everything that we have and give everything that we have to give to defeat the ultimate evil. And there's no other way, right? Yep. And there's One only way out. out. And the finest speech of all is our friend, mall cop Cyril Karn, right before he goes in. I'm like, I think it's episode three or something. <laughs> For no one's listening, he's like, let's go for there. For, for, for the sake of justice. There comes a time when the, the risk of doing nothing becomes the greatest risk of all. It's just one of those decisive moments and I, can't imagine a team I'd rather share it with than all of you. There's no room for doubt on the path to success and uh, justice. Best of luck to us all. It's so awesome. <laughs> I totally forgot about that, but that is that is probably the funniest scene of the entire show. Absolutely. And then that 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 the chubby guy's just like yeah, Linus, 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 Linus. Linus. yeah, the, Linus Moss. Speech, sir. 
Very motivational. Uh, excellent, 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 sir. Just yeah, like, yes, sir. Shaxon, Tony, somehow it's just perfect, you know. Oh, man, yeah. That guy with a... button chops, perfect. Oh, my gosh, that Cyril is such a tool, and yep. there's nothing more that I dislike than a tool. And, oh, like, my gosh. Just... You are not the man to lead these guys into combat, dude. Like, <laughs> so perfect, and he's trying so hard. That's the best part. He tries so hard, so good. Oh, yeah, that is – that. no, honestly, some some – good speeches if you had to rank the speeches i'd put luthan's speech up on that catwalk to lonnie's number one and then probably marva's speech yeah number two and um nemec i also think um deidre when she's doing the interrogation it's a pretty good speech oh yeah about like, like the fish in the net it. A big monologue and just like the only thing you can do wrong is bore me yep oh god by by the way how awesome was that because the first few episodes you're like good go go dedra you're the good person you're the competent one i want you to be successful holy crap you're <laughs> you're enjoying the hell out of this oh i hate you now you know so. <laughs> yes they did a good job of like Hey, look at her trying to make it in a man's world. Yeah, glass ceiling, boss, boss lady. Oh, oh no, she's horrible. Oh man, yeah. What was it? The, there's a speech I'm missing though. That... Um, I mean, Cassian has a few speeches, but uh, let's see here. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had Luthan, Marvin, Nemec, Cassian, Cyril, and Kino. Kino Lloyd. Oh, Kino, Kino. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably put his second. And then, yeah, I, I would too, actually. I would put it. What I liked about Kino's speech, and, and by the way, that's one of mine, is that live Andy, live action Andy Circus. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen He's been in movies. I just haven't seen him. He was in the Black like, Panther. He was I never a saw character it. in the Black Panther. I guess, I guess he's, uh, I, I saw it, but I forgot it already because I've seen so many freaking Batman movies. They all run together. But he's in the newest Batman as Alfred. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. But like, I saw all four hours of that movie and I totally forgot everything about it. So maybe I mean, whatever. Oh, there's a, there's but like a live action Andy circus. What I love about his speech though, is that he, he doesn't, he's clearly very awkward in giving it and like he's trying and then he finds it. And then he kind of love comes off at the beginning, you know, at the, at the end, like it builds. And okay. anyway, it's one thing to go out there with your very well rehearsed Shakespearean monologue, you know, soliloquy that you've, you've really tiled in another thing for someone to like, say something that has to be meaningful. And I don't know what to say, but I'll find it. And he did. Anyway. Right. My name is Kino Loy. I'm the day shift manager on level five. I'm speaking to you from the command center on level eight. We are, at this moment, in control of the facility. Is that the best you got? How long we hang on, how far we get, how many of us make it out, all of that is now up to us. We have deactivated every floor in the facility. All the floors. Are cold. Wherever you are, right now, get up. Stop the work. Get out of your cells. Take charge and start climbing. They don't have enough guards, and they know it. If we wait until they figure that out, it'll be too late. 
We will never have a better chance than this. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. We know they fried a hundred men on level two. We know that they are making up our sentences as we go along. We know that no one outside here knows what's happening. And now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. There is one way out right now. The building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. There are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home in another time. Cassian like pushes him on and just like is that the best yeah, you got that, exactly and that's the great thing about Cassian what a great leader he is is that he realizes Kino's the leader I you've got to be the guy I can't be you I can't take your spot it only works if you're the one that gets us all to go they won't listen to me they'll listen to you and that uh, yeah absolutely definitely see we're flying through these man I'm, I, let's see here I'm just one two three Five, six. I've done six of mine already. Just let me okay. know. So I think you're you you got to do a few. Okay. Um. Uh. Well. I. But the. Okay. So I got six. The ISB and spy tradecraft. Yeah. So the whole um, counterintelligence intelligence world, which I I'm not going to say much more, but I'm familiar with this world. Okay. <laughs> and they do a great job with it. I I think. Um. Especially even the name, the ISB, that's yeah. that's a fantastic. You you hear that and you're thinking, oh, that's an intelligence agency right there, sure. the ISB, not yeah. IBS, not Irritable Bowel Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ISB and and that and the tradecraft is that's that's tradecraft is the term for when spies use spy stuff, like when they do spy type stuff. I mean, just. Just Luthen's Luthen. He's he's the main guy of the rebellion, by the way. If you don't remember his name, um, but he's just his just simply putting on his smile and his ice yeah. antiques persona. Yeah, I gotta get my rings on to get into character, and yeah, totally. And when he's flying along and he's talking to um, the girl that's back at his shop, and he's just like. Oh, I couldn't get that piece. It was it was yep. uh, too expensive. The buyer wanted, more. and they're they're totally speaking in code. Yep. And and I just I just love every minute of it. And and the 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 tradecraft that they have to use to when he's talking to Lonnie and he he's, has to meet him outside and in um up up some elevator and then yeah. and then see him and stuff. And they have ways of signaling each other. Yeah. To and it's not and it's. 
and it's not high tech. It's like there's a little chalk drawing on the brick that means yeah. something, and you have to look for it. And you know that it's there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Just um, really good espionage. Just building the network, building sources. I yeah. mean, him him building Lonnie as a source. Just yeah. such the he 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 mentions Luthen in his speech. Um, he mentions his 15 year plan that yeah. he put together. And he's just like every, and he's just, he plays the long game so well. And he's just like, well, we can't make them think that they have a spy here. Yeah. So we're just going to lose 50 people. But so yeah. We can't let him yeah. make it. Yeah. Well, you know, sorry, Krieger, you're out. You're kind of a fat guy that we never meet. And so uh, you're, you're done anyway. Right. And, and it's just like, what a good job. And it's not, it's not pretty whatsoever. I mean, no. you take some of the best CIA movies, the best um, spy movies. Uh, what I think there's one with like Brad Pitt and Robert Redford, or is it Leo and Robert Redford? Yeah. Spy games. Spy uh, games. Yeah, yeah, well, you, yeah. yeah. Uh, all those different ones. You take them, and 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 this this is right there with them, and just oh, yeah. their, their their movements and how they how they play the long game, how they build sources, how they don't want to burn their sources, how they're well. Just like, and one of the larger like plot points of the entire second half of the show is that our favorite guy is trying to kill our other favorite guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and like Cassian's got a hit out on him by the rebellion because for nothing, for just knowing his face, because they know if they catch him, then Cassian will talk. And it's not because he did anything wrong. He didn't betray him. He didn't fail them. He's just a, he's just a threat. And so we've got to we've got to tie it out. And we know that the empire is looking for Cassian. We got to find him first and take him out. And, and it makes sense. And it's brutal. Uh, that was a complaint I had about Rogue One. That like why why is the rebellion ordering the hit on uh, you know what's his name uh, the yeah um, the the scientist guy you know yeah 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 that's yeah. Mickelson. Doesn't matter. Um, that's gonna bother Urso, Jim, Galen Urso, right? Galen Urso. And like, like, you see Cassian like kill a dude who's giving him information, but he can't escape right at the beginning. I'm like, eh, I don't like that. I just, I want my rebellion to be heroic, and I was probably right then, but like, nope, I'm, I'm all, all aboard now. Like again, they, they, they've told it so, so very well. Uh, yeah, completely yeah, agree. And in, in Luthen's speech, he's even like. I have to use the tools of my enemy in order yeah. to destroy my enemy. So I've yeah. given up. I've given up everything. I've given, I've given up, up everything. My... I know that I'm damned for what I do. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll never, uh, never see the benefits of the horrible things that I'm doing. You know. Yeah. And and on the to add on that, in addition to all the sort of spycraft and uh, the the intelligence stuff, and like that little how quick Dedra was to say, okay, we've got Krieger, kill him. And make it look like an accident so it floats out there and let someone else find it. Like they knew exactly what to do, how to like play it in a way that, that you know they can they can get what they want, but like never give it up, right? You right, know, exactly. Anyway. But in addition to that, I love and I, I, I my thing on my list here was Mon Mothma's useless husband. Right. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like all of the political intrigue of the Mon Mothma story about how she's trying to fund. The rebellion, but she cannot. She's everyone around her is a spy, and she knows it. Her husband's completely unreliable. Her, her kids are kind of a crappy little kid, you know. Like like everything around her is like, and, and she's trying to preserve it. And and again, compare that, and, and not to throw stones at easy targets here, but compare that 
to all the quote-unquote political intrigue of the prequels, right? Like, like that was so boring. It was so dumb. It was so just, just bland and blah, you know, even though it was like the actual thing was happening was really good, but the actual cinematic execution of it was very bad. Whereas this one, everything was so cool. And I love the ending where Mom Mothma basically frames her husband for being a gambling degenerate sack of crap. And that's where the money went. And she's just having the accusation to him, knowing full well the driver's listening, you know? Yep. And and again, they didn't spell it out. We all know what's happening. And it's just, ah, so good. So, so right. good. Well, and yeah, at, at, you're not sure at what point you know what's happening because it's like, yeah, but that th- that's okay. They they let you figure it out at your own speed because it's at yeah. first it's just like, yeah, maybe you don't know that he's she's setting him up. Yeah, uh, totally. And it, it could go either way. It, it's actually pretty ambiguous as to which way it's because he's probably gambling. He's probably is spending a ton of money, you know. So anyway, yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm gonna jump in. My number five, we haven't touched on at all, actually, in all our okay. time. And it's the score, because oh. I love me some scores, all right? I, and it's on my list. And they, um, and just just the beginning, just that, um, so the director met with uh, the guy who did the score. By the way, his name is Nicholas Brittell. He's the composer. Um, he met with them, and at the beginning he said, um, I want, the first thing he wanted them to to compose was the funeral scene at Ferrix in mm-hmm. the final episode with all those horns and you're walking yeah. down the road. Like the flutes and the drums. Ah, so good. It's so, so good. good and it sets the tone so well. This kind of melancholy, it, you feel like you're at a funeral. It's, it's, you've never heard it, yet it's so familiar. show when you go back and just look at a couple scenes there's a scene that i just watched recently where cassian's when he when he takes off and he's at that beach like fort lauderdale type place yeah and space miami yeah There's, there's this music there that's this kind of disorienting um, music. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe I'll play it in the background, but uh, again, it sets the tone. They did a really good score, and this composer, he actually, he's been the composer for four Best Picture nominees. Um, he, he was, he was the composer for, and and it's it's movies that you don't really think of their scores, Big Short. Um, Vice, Don't Look Up, all political dramas, and then yeah. uh, and then Moonlight, which actually won the uh, Best Picture back in the day. But my guess is, because because the fact that I really wasn't thinking much about the scores, he finds a way to make the score mean something without um, sticking out so much that it's like yeah, um, 
it and, doesn't and, punch you in the face, but right. it, and it adds. The, the fact that a lot of his movies, almost all the scores he's done, those movies have gone on to do well. They were probably carried by the score that people didn't even realize because yeah. he's in the background doing it. So shout out to my guy who so, I'm now putting on my list along with all the great composers out there, Nicholas Bertel. Well done, Nicholas. Yeah. So again, I, I always loved that the opening score or the opening scene was just add that little, little logo in space. Yeah. And it was that same funeral theme. It was the same tune. And then they would add like different tones and different instruments to it to like kind of give you an idea what, what, what's this episode going to feel like, right? And I think that's such a really interesting way to start the show because, you, you know, it's a great way to sort of set the set the expectation. And uh, it, it, I don't know of any other show that's ever done that. Like we're going to have the same music to open the show up and it's going to be a little bit different, a little bit feel little different arrangement every time to sort of just match what we're doing. Like yeah. how many TV shows have I seen? And I've never seen that before. So have you ever seen a uh, succession? No, I hear, I hear it's pretty good though. Yeah. It's a pretty good show. I, he also did the music for that. And mm. frankly, the beginning music is, is what draws you into the show. Every time you see it, it's just this, mm. uh, it's, it, it gets you pumped for the show. The show is, it's, it's good, but it definitely that music. So I was, I was excited to see he was actually Gotcha. So we're, we're keeping overlapping. I'm only got, I'm only have two left of my list tens. Oh my God. So, goodness. so, oh my so goodness. You, you catch up with me, man. What's your next? Okay. Well, I honestly, I mean, uh, I mean, I, all right. So number four, um, the rebellion at Rick's road where, yeah. where the funeral, the, the speech was great, but yeah. then, and then the rebellion when they're just fighting and you know what's great about it is blasters and stormtroopers are finally menacing again. Yeah. You no, know, they've lost all like, like honestly, like stormtroopers, even from the get, even from yeah. the first Star Wars, kind of yeah. feel all that menacing. But man, did they feel menacing at Rick's? Rick's road is the road that was in that final funeral scene. Yeah. That was the name of the road. And yeah. but like you see characters that you learn to like, they got shot with a blaster and they're dead. It's over. Yeah. And, and these blasters—the the guy that answers the radio—and like yeah. you know, they 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 focus in on him just a little bit, and they just hang on it for an extra beat. And I'm like, oh, ah. Oh. By the way, I was scared to death that they were going to kill Brasso. Scared to death because uh, I'm like, he's too cool. They're they're gonna they're gonna have to cut our heart out here a little bit. Yeah. I bet he goes, you know. And yeah, I'm so glad. That's Cassian's best friend. The yeah, guy. he's the big big dude who who, who carries the Marvis stone, which I yeah. I love that. We're gonna. We're gonna take our cremated dead and put them in stone and into a brick, and we're gonna build our city out of our out of our ancestors. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. kind of an awesome thing. Yeah, I wish I belonged. To... Yeah, I'm gonna start I like that. that tradition. Thank <laughs> right? you. Anyway, and when if you rewatch that funeral scene, every time they show Brasso when he's looking up at the at the presentation, it's just mm -hmm. such a good angle. Yeah, where it makes him feel he feels big, but he feels like vulnerable yeah and 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 that uh you just you connect with them so well yeah. that angle is just such a good it's, choice in you can tell that he's inspired and that feels makes you feel inspired i mean it, it's literally that's what it is i felt inspired watching that and like when's the last time i felt inspired about anything much less yeah. a tv show much less star wars for heaven's sake <laughs> sorry I, book of boba fett you didn't inspire me at all you know <laughs> no you no, you no, did not and um 
uh, and, and Brasso, in fact, he delivered one of my favorite lines in it. It was from Marva, but uh, she she's saying it. He goes to Cassian. He's like, hey, oh, that was another speech, by the way. Brasso's yeah. speech of Marva to Cassian. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. In the, it, and when he says, uh, Marva says, I love you more than anything you will ever do. Oh, yeah. my goodness. How yeah. is that? How is that? I want to say that to my kids. I'm honestly <laughs> like that. That's the thing. It's a backhanded <laughs> way. No matter what a piece of crap you are, I still no, like. No, anything you will ever do, I'll love you more than that. You're, you're yeah. not going to. And then and he also mentions, he's like, she she said to him, like, everything you learned in the past and and everything you are, it's all going to con come converge. Yeah, one. I, I try to remember. It was something like uh, when, when everything that you know and everything that you feel finally connect, that's when you'll be amazing, you know? Yeah. And that's, again, it's so, so perfect. It's, yeah. But I, I got it wrong too. I know I, we should probably uh, do anyway. I'll, I'll throw it in. I'll throw it in on back. There we go. Cut <laughs> two. Um, all right. Well, I oh, oh, let me actually do a little bit more on on Rick's Road too, because I, I okay. think it, you we watch it because we're watching. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. At least eight characters and what they're doing in this melee. Right. And it's not just a riot, it's not just chaos, but we got the kid who makes the bomb. We got Brasso, right? His buddy. We've got uh we've got uh, Cyril and Linus. They're just little vigilantes showing up for the sh you know, the this the show. Yeah. We've got um that one ISB guy who's been undercover. We got Cinta who's following him. Right. We've got Luthen and Val who are in the fray as well, yeah. and they're all doing different things, they're all looking for different things. And then we've got um, uh, Dedra in the middle as well. And there's one more, but I can't remember. The, the head of the empire that's on that station. The guy that yeah. says to fire into the crowd. Yeah, exactly. There's like, that one. To, exactly. He the, looks like, like Anthony like, like getting everyone to get. Yeah, he's the one that kicks over uh, B2 EMO or whatever his name is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. B2. B, I, I, that is not cool. That's like kicking a dog. Yeah, the, no, no, no. That yeah, is the like, cutest like, robot. Exactly. It is so it's a like, robot with a stutter. He's like a, a sad robot gracious. with like low self-esteem. I just want to, I want to pat him on the head. I know. How dare you kick him over? Unbelievable. But like all of those people are all doing different things. They all want different things. And the and the show is so brilliant and so clear as to where everyone is, like in, in time and space, what they're doing, what they want, who they're interacting with. And and it's it, it it would be complete mess if if it wasn't done ap absolutely perfectly and it's not and like as you watch it you know what everyone is in the middle of and dude I'm telling you when Dedra gets like taken by the mob I'm like dude they're gonna freaking rip her apart it's gonna happen holy cow is that is that the person's gonna die instead you know anyway yeah, yeah. crazy and then crazy. Cyril what what an awkward when he's with her he's like, <laughs> are they about to kiss what's going on here this is. This is so oh, awkward. Like the that two... was the craziest, best thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. In fact, that leads to one of mine. I'm going to go with one more. Wait, Sorry, one more thing. Kidding. Before you do that, I do yeah. want to say what the director, I listened to an interview with the director about the final, about the show and the final yep. episode. He said how hard it was. He, what everyone always wants is all the main characters to be together. Mm -hmm. But he he also this director also did the Jason Bourne movies and he's like yeah. it's hard to make the main people together because he's all that was the hardest thing in Bourne because they're always trying to run away from each other yeah. it's like it's like and and he was like how do we get Cyril and and he he said he's like I wouldn't have done it if it wouldn't have worked but he's just like 
uh, we'll have, uh, you know, Linus call him up and just be like, it'll be broken up. And he was so happy with how it worked out. He was just saying how it's, uh, it was actually, that's harder than writing great speeches. He's all those yeah. speeches are actually easy compared to just trying uh, mechanically to get yeah. characters together and it makes sense. So exactly. Again, I can think of a million shows that do it very poorly and like, let's just get all the cool people together on the same team that have never met each other at all and just do it. And like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I just feel so insulted because there's no reason that person would be here. And then, oh, they just happen to run into that person that we also like, and all the cool people are on one team. They did that in Game of Thrones in the end, but whatever, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really, yeah. really impressive. Yeah. You were leading into yours then. Well, All right. So we already did, but it's it's honestly, it's one of my very favorite things of the whole show. He's probably my favorite character to watch. And again, we've talked about him a lot, but Cyril Karn, every single human interaction that this person has throughout the entire show is just gold. Whether it's his supervisor at the beginning and when he's discussing his uh, tailored suits and piping, whether he's talking to, uh, you know, Linus Moss, his little uh, Scottish go-to, you know, toady dude, you know, making the speech to all the guys, every every single thing he does, then his mom, like, like, oh, it's so great. And like, I don't know who Uncle Arlo is, but holy cow, I know who Uncle Arlo is, right? <laughs> and then he's got the weird, creepy Hitler youth crush on Dedra. And he like, he's, oh, it's so good. It's so creepy and so good and just so funny. And it, it's funny, it shouldn't be funny, but it's so funny. Uh, and, and then like that weird shot of him and, and Linus Moss switching hats. Like, I don't know why they do that, but it's, it works. It's just saying we're on the same team. We're, we're ready to go, man. We're, we're, we're there. And then the not makeout session in the riot on Ferrex. And I was just hoping, please, oh, please get the weirdest, awkward, evil kiss between the evil people. <laughs> That's what I want. And like, Dedra's face was like, oh, I, 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 I suppose I should thank you. It's like, oh, this is oh I so did not want that. Oh, I know. I didn't. I no, didn't. But no, it was, I know. It's like, it would be so brutal, but yet so good because it's yeah. so brutal. Like, every single guy, that guy interacts with another human being. It's just perfect. Like, anyway. Yeah, it's, so that, that was... Yeah. yeah, they didn't have to do that good a job with that character. Yeah. Because, like, he is, as far as importance to the show, he's pretty far down on the list. You could yeah. have just made him any front line, like the guy that looks like, the, the, the guy that looks like Anthony Jeselnik, that's on, that's the head of the Empire down on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't look like a, yeah, he a like stand-up guy who's also into uh, tyranny. Yeah, I can yes. see that. Yes, he, they could have made Cyril like that guy. That guy yeah. had enough personality to do the yeah. job, but no, they made Cyril. They brought in Cyril's mom, yeah. <laughs> like, like a lot of her. A lot of yeah, a lot of scenes with Cyril and his mom. Just what makes you think they want to hire an individual like these perfect slams? Like you're just saying, please let me disappoint you. That's what that suit says. It's like. <laughs> It's so good. Like it's like Tony Gilroy. That's the director of all this, by the way. He. Yeah. It's like he he was dying to make just like a that a show with that with that. And he's like, I'm yeah. just gonna fit it into this because yeah. I'm dying to have this mother son interaction, and I yeah. don't know where else I'm gonna have it. I mean, who who would think that in the the land of Darth Vader, Cyril's mother would be the worst parent? 
<laughs> in the history of the universe. She's worse than Darth Vader is as a father. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, no, she's better than Darth. Come on now. Let's, let's, let's not go crazy here. Um, yes. All right. So uh, I have two left. Okay. You, are, and got, I'm down to one. You're down to one. All right. So I'll do. All right. Um, one way out. Just the prison break. Yeah. Um, right there. Uh, and Keno Loy's speech in it. But clever stuff with how to break out of prison um electrocuting the floors just just the prison guards the whole how they get everyone it's it, like suddenly when they how they set it up yeah to where a lot of these people don't want to break out of prison they just want to do their term and then go yeah and and it's just like no you're never leaving yeah and then and then right at the end of that one episode where Kino Loy is just like, there's 12, there's 12 guards on the yep. floor. Like, and then just- I'm that, in, finally again, you convinced me. Yeah. Yeah, again, this like is what too you much. said, with, the, that, with saying it without saying it. Exactly. He didn't say, hey, I'm in, which we've yep. heard a million times. He said something that Andor just keeps asking and it's like, oh, he's in now. Yep. And, and just the good, such the solid way of just like making us all just be like, Oh my gosh! Get out! Like yeah. this, 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 this prison is this forced labor, only to tie it in with the last scene where what they're building is the Death Star. I know how perfect is that, right? Yeah, it, it's totally perfect. And because because wasn't I mean I remember a Family Guy joke and uh, and like a uh, a robot chicken did mm -hmm. funny episodes about Star Wars. They've all done everyone sure. that makes fun has done jokes has made fun of Star Wars and like. How did they build this big thing? Like, who's actually working for the Empire? Like, yeah, it's a, they they've made plenty of jokes because it's like, what? They just suddenly make this thing out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, it's worse than you think. It's a bunch yeah. of forced labor. Well, forced labor is one thing, but like, let's psychologically torture them with fake competition in the hope of like getting free, and like get them to be teams, and we'll, we'll you know, oh, it's so. It, so like the whole imagery of that was so interesting too, because I've never seen THX one one three eight. Like I don't think anybody has, you know. But like George Lucas's original, uh, like student film was his first movie he made. It looks exactly like that. Like he's oh, really? it's a prison. It's like what's his name, uh, Robert Duvall's in it, and it's like a sci-fi futuristic thing, and it's very similar. And they end up escaping from prison, and the last shot is the person looking at the sun for the first time, oh. right? And uh, that's that's why it's a prisoner transfer. One one three eight. They always have one one three eight and all the Star Wars stuff because of that. Anyway, um, so like it's it's probably a clear. It's, everyone's dressed in white with the white everything, but like it's so so new to that world. But it's again feels familiar. It feels very sci-fi. It feels Logan's Run. It feels you know like uh, so many other things that are sort of classic in that sense. But like anyway, it it, it feels new and familiar at the same time. Uh, and then the other side is, is like, it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to, we just had a heist. Now we're going to have a prison escape. And I'm thinking Shawshank, I'm thinking he's going to find a way to get out and he's going to be the one and then he'll go back. No, I'm not getting out myself. I'm leading everybody out. That's not what the show's about. It's not one person escaping. It's all together, right? One way out, you climb, you climb everything, you know? So right. anyway. And only to punch you in the stomach when Kino Loy can't swim. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> we could, we could, we we'll, we'll bring up on that when we were, what we're expecting in season two, because I have thoughts. All right. Yes. I can't wait to talk about uh, season two. 
All right, give me your one last thing. Is it the one last thing. Now, by the way, this is no direct, no particular order. Uh, and uh, so this happens to be the last one to mention. It's not necessarily my number one, but it might be my number one. And that is sweet, sweet Bix. Oh. Holy cow. <laughs> so the actress name is Adria Ar Arjona. I believe she's of Puerto Rican descent. This plays Bix Colleen. That's Andor's friend on, on Ferrix, the one that he kind of tries to get her to leave. She doesn't leave. Uh, and then she's the one that's tortured by the by the other stuff. Screaming and, children. Exactly. And then she's rescued by, by Andor at the end and they get out. And I'm so glad that like that's the crew, that those are the people that are going to be sort of on their own for season two, it appears. And first of all, holy cow, stunningly beautiful actor. That's my one point. But like just incredible storytelling and acting and all the good stuff with it from like the opening, that opening arc where she's in the riot and they handcuff her to the thing and then stupid Tim comes and they shoot Tim, her boyfriend who ratted out and or the beginning, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and especially, oh, it's one of the most affecting moments of the whole show because we've done, we've done torture before in Star Wars, which is weird to say, but like, you know, we know the princess Leia was getting probed by the little black bald needle thing, right? And something's going on off camera and it's horrible probably. Uh, there's been, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ray was, what's up? Yeah, Han, well, Han was tortured like every movie. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Ray gets you tortured. Poe you know. Dameron gets tortured. Yeah, there's some torture. In there. Yeah, there's lots of torture. Poe does and uh, Ray does. Yeah, anyway, so we got all sorts of stuff going down. And like, again, no shortage of the, in the quote unquote premier television world of like, super, you know, adult-themed, extra-gory, R-rated television, let's do a lot of torture scenes, because we can do that now, right? There's a million of them. And they're all tedious and kind of unpleasant to experience, because I don't want to see it, right? I don't, I don't want it in my head. And this one, of course, Bix is like, you know, again, the two things that are terrifying about it is how much the doctor guy enjoys it. Like he's, he's got that creepy, creepy, weird grin on his face, you know, but then the, uh, the, 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 the nature of the torture is that she's going to listen to these children being executed and it like they're, they're suffering. And it's like this horrible thing that just drives you insane. And it just ruins your brain forever. And again, there's that when they put it on there and it's great acting by her as it like, it's just the terror in her face. And like, I thought, shoot, they're going to show it to us. And it's either going to be cheesy or it's going to be horrifying and I don't want to hear it and they don't show it and they just show the effect it has on her. Right. And then they yeah. you see her the next scene and she's completely broken and just completely different and without her good acting. It wouldn't yeah. Incredible happen. acting. And, and again, incredible storytelling and just to, again, show how lesser shows do the same thing, but poorly game of Thrones, like uh, uh, game of Thrones. Did you watch it? I don't know if you're. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, when, that, that books? one did you read the books? I don't want to the book. I don't no, want to get off. I didn't read the books. So, so, so torture throughout that one season yeah. where it's like the entire season is just torturing that one guy. Yeah, it's the so, most so miserable so thing on earth. Ramsey Bolton is torturing Theon forever. Yeah. And like in the books, it never shows it. In fact, we think Theon is dead in book two. We don't see him again until book four. Or book, yeah, book four. Five. Book five. Anyway, and then we only introduce him as the character Reek. 
And by the first chapter, you find out, oh my gosh, this is Theon. This is what happened to him. And we just see the result of the torture. And we, you know, you're in his head, so he, he thinks about it. But like, you never have to sit there and watch him peel skin off everything or whatever, you know? And the point is, way more effective, obviously, storytelling, way more compelling as it goes. And again, it's restraint, it's intelligence, it's not salacious, gory bullcrap. It's way more visceral and effective than just showing stuff I don't want to see and hearing someone scream. I don't need it. I don't want it. But if it's necessary for the story, this is the way to do it. And it's just so well done. And the other, one other thing, sorry, one other thing with Bix. The end there, when they're showing, when they're having the prison, or I'm sorry, the funeral procession go down Rick's Road, and they're playing the songs, and they're playing the, the music, you see her, she's in prison, and she can hear it out the window, and she knows the songs, right? Mm -hmm. And she's so happy to see it. It's like, it's like her home, and it's her music, it's her culture. And that's, again, that world that they built, that these are real people that really interact with each other. They have history going on hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's that individual uh, connection and culture that, that, that really ultimately is the thing, the uniting force that, that inspires revolution against tyranny, right? Yeah. And it's, it, anyway, it's so, so well, so well done. Everything is good. Anyway. Yeah, and she brings Cassian well, um, like, she builds up Cassian, because at the end, she's like, Cassian will find us. Yeah, like, and, and she's also, she's, yeah. well, she's also quick to shut him down when he's clearly kind of a, kind of a grifter, kind of a smarmy little, you know, he's a thief who owes everyone money and kind of lies a lot at the beginning, right? She's right. Like, I, yeah, always... he, I like how everyone that's a little bit like, ah, uh, here's Cassie and here's, what at the end, it's just kind of like, you know what? We're, we're all brothers and sisters against the empire. Right? Exactly, exactly. And that kind of leads into my final point is that authoritarianism is portrayed so well in this show. There's, Sometimes you can you can only talk about you can only talk about how awful authoritarianism is to people, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, that sounds awful. Like, I, I, I you, might, you ask my kids how often I've talked about the PRC, the People's Republic of China, the leadership there, the Communist, yeah. and they're like, yeah, okay, Dad, China again. And I'm just uh -huh. like, they have they have detention camps where they re-educate people. Yeah, like it's like the. They're, they don't allow protests like you don't understand and they're like okay like no one gets it and then for a show to be able to put forward just a little taste of of just like how that actually how horrible it is yeah there's no escape like i like how they present it when Andor, you know he goes off and he's just like He's like, I got my money. I'm going to yeah. run from the authoritarianism. I, it's yeah. not my problem anymore. And I can't gets, solve it. Yeah. I can't it fight it. I've got money. Yeah. That, so now that I have money, now I can live my life, and they're not my worry anymore. And then he gets thrown in prison for something he didn't even do. Yeah. And it's just and, like, oh, what? And the doing? result, the, the, the crazy laws that they threw him in the prison for was a direct result of the Aldani heist itself. So it's right. like, you know, like, like you, you, you can't win for losing or whatever, right? And it's... Yeah. You can't outrun, you can't outrun authoritarianism in your country. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just ignore it and it's someone else's problem and stuff like that. Yeah. And and they just, they do such a good job of portraying that. And thanks to that, because there's nothing more, 
that that I it's just like it needs to be taught throughout yeah throughout when when people in on in our country like complain about when they use such hyperbole like oh this is this this person's like Hitler and this yeah. person's like you're oh, not they're, doing they're taking favors, all man. our rights away and it's just like man you have no idea. that's not that like but yeah. but at the same time good fight against it because the last thing I want is taking away a freedom of the press and just like I I like the fight against uh you know totalitarianism or authoritarianism I and good for this show for um pointing it out you know what i also show. appreciated about it is though it was very starkly uh sharply um i don't want to say it was political because i don't think it was political but it was very very um uh what's a good way to put it i'm trying to think like, like it was very clear in its own message in its own vision in this fictional world of what it was but it didn't make any sort of cheap, obvious little jabs here and there or whatever that it seems like it could have if it wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It's not you know? like it had like the empire's the empire. It's the empire. It's not whatever. It's not the it's not the guy you disagree with or whatever. Right, you know? exactly. It didn't have a guy that it, looks like it's Trump. Suggesting that undermines like the empire and undermines actual tyranny. What actual tyranny right, really exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't a shot at like what people pretend is tyranny. Yeah, right yeah. What, yeah, what, it was what, just, what? Totally. And it so, was, and, was, and I totally agree that it, it was, it, it, the fact that the, that the, the, the regular world, whether it was Aldani, whether it was Ferrex, whether it was, you know, everybody else. And, and then you see that just the crushing effect that it has, you know, uh, on it, it just, it just had that much more of a visceral effect on you. Again, nothing is more infuriating than seeing, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? I was going to have a great line. I thought it was there. Who's the stand-up comedian? Jesselneck. What's his first name? Yeah, Anthony. Nothing is more infuriating. Cut that part out. This is great. I love it. <laughs> okay. Nothing is more uh, illustrative of the fury and, and irritation of the tyranny than seeing Anthony Jesselneck kick over B2EMO. That's it. That's okay. the last straw. We're not right. taking it anymore. We're, we're trying to have a funeral. They're telling us how many people we can have at a funeral. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, they're, they're, they're only deciding based on their own means. Arbitrary, exactly. Arbitrary tyranny is, yeah. And, and their incompetence of bureaucracies. It's just all this like, oh, it's just exactly. they're, they're, they're the worst and they, they, they portray it so well. Indeed. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, I got my list ten done. We did. We just list twenty in like an hour. I'm impressed. I think we yeah. went, like knocked through those pretty well. They they flowed very well. All right. So just a couple things. Um, I don't know. A couple things you predict or want to see in season two. So I don't know if you've heard. I mean, I think they've 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 said a couple of things they're going to do. Um, so they originally were going to have five episodes or five seasons that were this long. And like every season was going to be another year, but four uh, Rogue One. But like, I think after they made one season, like this is so huge. It's so deep. It would kill us. It would just take too long. So we can't do it. So I think what they're doing, what they've announced, and maybe it changes. I don't know. Maybe I heard different things, but uh, they'll have, um, is it four? Yeah, because there's four years between now and Rogue One. And they'll have four three-episode arcs again, but every episode, every arc will be a short amount of time that happens in one year, and there will be a year skip between them all to kind of catch us up to Rogue One. Oh. 
So that'll get, which means that we're going to get all the Yavin, we're going to get all the, you know, Mon Mothma and, uh, you know, Bail Organa and Jandodana. Got to go get together and, you know, plan all the stuff out. And we're going to find out how Luthen factors into all of that. We're going to see how Saw Gerrera turns into the Saw Gerrera that we see in, in all that stuff. Or maybe we won't. Maybe it's all in the background, you know. Um, and I think that there might be a little bit more kind of traditional Star Wars stuff come into that. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to have, I, I don't know actually what we're going to have. Anyway, I'm very much well, looking forward to it. Oh, go ahead. I'll tell you, and it will not be fan service. Yeah. I think it actually needs to happen. Princess Leia has to be involved. Yeah, I'm under, it, they have to do that. You're right. Because, and it's not fan service. It's no, not no, like, no. oh, it's hey, the story. No, she is, she is the stinking, she's huge. Yeah. She's a big part of the rebellion. I, and she's a stinking princess. Like exactly. Well, and she's also a senator from Alderaan. By the time we get to well, by the time we get to Rogue One, so yeah, there's got to be some sort of, uh, you know. And honestly, I, I really do hope they just just recast her. You know, we don't need Uncanny Valley, Undead Carrie Fisher. You no, know, we don't need CGI. <laughs> we, we, we had it for the one line. We're good. We might get more Tarkin. That'd be awesome. We might get uh, Krennic. We might. I don't know that we get any uh, Ursos, but maybe. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, I don't know if they need to. I don't even think. Yeah, but I don't think so either. I agree. I think I think that 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 can be its own story in Rogue One. Well, I'll tell you something. Oh, go ahead. Obviously, they'll get K two S O in there at some point. Yeah, yeah, we got to get that. He's the droid that um, is the very smart Alec droid in Rogue One. That uh, mm -hmm. is, they we see um, like a droid that's like him in the show, um, but it's not. It's a little head fake. So, so we, yeah, a little, little fake there. But so we'll obviously get that. We'll get some Rogue One people. But I think, I just, I just hope. Sometimes they worry about fan servicey stuff, and I think they worry about if they had Lay in it, it would be fan servicey, and I don't think so at all. I think, I think there's a way to do it right, and there's a way to, and, and I have all the trust in the world that they'll do it right, and that's the great thing. All the ways it could go wrong, not worried about it, man. Uh, yeah. you, you, you have my. You have my entire trust, Tony Gilroy. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And I'll tell you one other thing. I don't think it'll ever happen, and it may not make sense to happen, but I've since watched Rogue One again, and it's very good. It's better than I like. I had not watched it since we until uh, years and years until we did our show a couple months ago, and I rewatched it. And I was surprised at how good it was and how much I, I don't know why I didn't watch it more. So I've seen it probably three or four times since then. Um, and yet it would work so much better. Just imagine Rogue One as a 12 episode season, that whole movie just in that sense. And honestly, I think they could do it if they wanted to. They could honestly bring every single one of those characters back and just spread out the story over say six episodes or something like that. And that'll just give me bonus Rogue One or something like that. <laughs> I'm pipe dreaming on that one. That doesn't make sense to do it, but still <laughs> yeah, give me yeah. more. I I I I hear you. Just like, yeah. Why I'm just throw some extra scenes. Re-release Rogue One and like a three-hour version of it. Yeah, you know they have a lot of footage. Uh, oh, there. I think there was an enormous amount of like, uh, like like other storylines that they just didn't make the cutting room floor. Um, you know. Anyway, it wouldn't yeah, be just, hard at all. You just get all the actors and just add more scenes. It's, it, right. it wouldn't be just that hard. Get some of the cut stuff. Add some more scenes. What the heck? Yeah. Let's just let's just re-release. Uh, what is what is whoever played Jin Urso doing? I don't think she's been in movies. Maybe she has. Maybe I don't. Yeah, she played. Um, she was in um, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She played a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, well, there you go. Felicity <laughs> Jones is her name. Yep. She's around. Come on, Felicity. Be cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, man, um, thanks. Thanks for this. I, I definitely, this is what I needed. I needed to just have a chat session about this show because it was a lot of fun and I wanted to just talk about why I liked it. And it feels like it's resonating. Hopefully, hopefully Disney, you know, I've, I've heard the numbers aren't like amazing as far as viewership, but I, I think it's got a lot more fire th than any other show. Like it, it's, it's building up, it's building up a network that'll yeah. soon overtake the rebellion. <laughs> I mean, the empire that is the Disney. empire of crappy Disney star Wars movies and whatever. No. <laughs> so I, 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 I hope, I hope that others that are doing I, IP stuff, intellectual property stuff out there, not yep. just not just Star Wars, but all they see it, they see it work, and it inspires them to do interesting stuff like this too. So totally. and and, um, and hopefully the the numbers and the it'll make money. Hopefully it'll follow, but at least we're guaranteed a second like, season. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that again, they're they're the. We're not going to miss out on the on the story concluding the way it needs to conclude, right? Like I think that I, I what I've at least what I've heard that the second season they're already filming it, so it's already written, it's already figured out uh, that they're, they're they have all the intention to end it with the second season and bring it all to, all to close with that, which is great, honestly. I mean, if you give me that, that's like twenty hours of amazing content. Thank you, thank you for that. I usually don't give a flying crap about like awards, but like, I'm going to be like bucking for this one to get like a bunch of Emmys because it deserves them mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And like anything to kind of get this going. Like I remember back in the day one though, I don't know what Dan, what's your name? Sorry. Anyway. It's false. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I was an early adopter of a particular show called Arrested Development. And I absolutely love yeah. that show early on. I was right there with it. I'm like, please keep making this show. No one watched it. It won all the Emmys and no one still watched it. I'm like, I'm literally like, like, like spreading the gospel of arrested development. You got to watch it. It's going to get canceled if you don't want And they got canceled. Um, so I kind of feel the same way about this one. Just, I, I hope that more people watch it. Not because it's going to make more of it, because like I said, I feel like they already kind of have the, uh, the end point figured out. Uh, but I just want more shows like this. More, I mean, it's right. it's everything I ever wanted with a Star Wars show, where it gets all the tone right, all the all the the intricacies of it. I mean, what an amazing world to set this story, you know? And uh, oh, so good. Anyway, right. and yeah, just other IP, just just take it and then make an interesting story. It doesn't it doesn't have to be like this. Is kind of like a a, a little darker of a show. You can make a oh, yeah. a, a fun show that's has intellectual property. But just realize that the it has to feel lived in, and, yeah. and characters it has to have an arc. Like, well, just one other thing time to do stuff, and people will respond to it. Totally. And one other little little detail, because you were talking about you know Mandalorian and how it's fun, and if you're a Star Wars fan, you're right along for the ride. But you wouldn't necessarily try to convert someone to being a Star Wars fan by showing the Mandalorian necessarily, right? You kind of have to have that context to really enjoy it going into it. And even if you go back. In my opinion, you know, you got the original trilogy, um, obviously is what it is, uh, Rogue One, Mandalorian. And then I, I understand that, like, I haven't really, I'm not a completist. I haven't watched all of the Clone Wars or Rebels, you know, whatever, but I know that they're good. And I know that people really like them. And that's, 
same people that did a lot of the Mandalorian and, and all that kind of stuff. All that to me is the good Star Wars, right? The stuff that's like good story that's told well, that feels right. It's it's, it's all the good stuff. But all of those things are like done in a style of that Saturday morning serial. It's very much an adventure movie. Like the movie is self-aware that it's an adventure movie. And it's always kind of with a little bit of a wink, right? You're going to have something that's going to be kind of campy or kind of funny or kind of silly. And there's going to be a pratfall and, you know, the Sarlacc is going to belch and that sort of stuff, right? And we all kind of know that it's there. Andor is the first thing that doesn't have that sort of insulation where it's sort of kind of a joke and it knows it. You know, it's taking itself deadly seriously and like knocking it out of the park. Like if it, if it was deadly serious as it is and sucked, it would have been pretty tedious and like, you know, whatever. But like, it, it, like points for, for, you know, attempt of difficulty, you know what I mean? 10 out of 10. Like it's yeah. so good. Anyway. I agree. I agree. And it makes, and it still makes Star Wars better. That's yeah. so great. The original Star Wars, it makes it exactly. In fact, um, my last point is there's this. If you watch Star Wars again after Rogue One, you if you you go straight into Star Wars after watching yep. Rogue One, Darth Vader's just like you weren't on any mercy mission. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's like and, and we freaking and caught you. Like, we were there. I was there. You know I was there. Yeah, yeah. and but Princess Leia's like, oh, come on, what do you? This you, they're gonna, the Senate's gonna hear about this and stuff, and it's just like we all know the Senate doesn't has is just a paper paper tiger at this point. No one listens to the Senate. It's all about the Empire. Like they actually do a really good job, even in this campy Star Wars movie, of just little breadcrumbs of authoritarianism. Yeah. In fact, Leia's line, I, I wrote this down, where the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. And her and, and that's English this, accent. <laughs> but anyway. Yes, it, that's what this whole show is, is basically them getting them to tight, tighten their grip. And yep. so more star systems slip away because they just don't want, they'll join the rebellion against. And, and so that's, again, why Princess Leia is a huge part of it. Totally. Turn turn the tractor beam up to five. Oh, whoops. It blew up in our face. You know? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, totally. thank you so much, Brian. My pleasure. A lot of fun. I but again, we did the Rogue One thing like two months ago. I'm like, oh by the way, Andor's coming up. Might be good. Had no idea, no expectation that it would be this good. Yeah, none. And yeah, so happy for it. So happy for it. Exactly. Well, cool, man. Talk to you later. Take it easy. We'll see you. Hey there. I just wanted to end with Lucian's speech. So if you want to stick around and listen to it, here it is. The greatest part of the entire season, practically. You're trapped, Lonnie. There's no pleasure in saying it, but you're going nowhere. My sacrifice means nothing to you. Does it? I said I think of you constantly, and I do. Your investment in the rebellion is epic. The double life, every day a performance, the, the stress of that. We need heroes, Lonnie, and here you are. And what do you sacrifice? Calm. 
kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there's no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I look down, there's no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or, or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Just stay with me, Lolly. I need all the heroes I can get.